Hi, I'm Mia Quinn, host of Sustainably Speaking. Thanks for being with us. On today's episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Stu Harris, and we're going to learn about how using an economic lens can help us achieve a more sustainable ocean environment. Stu, thanks for coming back. You're welcome, Mia. Always enjoy the opportunity to speak with you. Joining us for this conversation is someone who has a really interesting perspective, Martin Kiering. He's the Global Director of Impact at Forum for the Future, and formerly he was head of the World Ocean Initiative at Economist Impact. Martin, thanks for being with us. Hi, Mia, and hi, everyone. Glad to be with you. How did you become interested in, in oceans and sustainability? I've always been interested in environmental and sustainability issues. But then when I started working at the Economist School, I was initially an economist. But then, you know, when I actually got to know the Economist School better, I realized there are lots of exciting opportunities to really venture into areas that I'm also passionate about and actually got into sustainability through my interest in, in global health because I covered global health for the Economist Group as part of you know, the thought leadership team there. Uh, for five years, so I looked at things like heart health, obesity, and I, I quickly got into food systems and, and the importance of food systems for our health. Um, but not only for our health, also in general sustainability, because in looking at food systems, I realized that, you know, I'm really interested in, in systems and how to tackle systemic issues. And the ocean, of course, is one of the biggest systems that we have in the 70% of the planet. And and uh, given that I've always lived close to the coast, I've always been connected to the coast, so, Martin, you talked about, you know, living near the coast, and I, I, too, grew up near the near the water, not the ocean, but the but the Chesapeake Bay, and so it holds a very special place in my in my heart. And so you, we often hear things like, you know, we need to think globally and act locally. You know, that was something that was very common when I was growing up as a kid. And you did talk about how you like to look at that systems-based approach and kind of the through the economic lens and the bigger picture. But then with the food loss uh, and food waste issues and some of the issues that you've worked on, certainly with oceans, there's also that need for a nuanced approach. How have you, in, in your work and, and in your experience, really found a way to, to bring that kind of think globally, act locally, you know, mantra that we used to hear, certainly I used to hear as a kid, you know, into practice? Yeah, that's a great question, Stu. And that's often the issue that we have when we see a problem. Uh, and, and we we see the systemic issues with something like uh, the way we have used ocean resources, for example. And then we we also need to take into account that there are communities that rely on these resources. And in fact, they have often used very sustainable ways of using those resources. We have often lost touch with those kind of sustainable local ways. One one way we do this, and we have done this, the World Ocean Initiative is. It's connecting those, uh, you know, those headline findings with community projects. There are projects in countries like the UK and actually the US and Sweden that actually look at how do we work with communities to help uh, restore these uh, vital ecosystems and that they actually can see economic benefit in doing that. Just to follow up on that, the idea of approaching this from an economist's perspective valuing the ecosystem services, you know, the, the capturing those benefits. You know, one of the challenges that we see often in the, in the plastic waste arena is related to capturing the value of that used material. And in many parts of the world, the informal sector is, is responsible for that. So, you know, how, how has your experience 
you know, working with local knowledge, with local information, capturing those ecosystem service benefits. How do you see that translating into capturing the economic benefits and other other benefits from the informal sector or other other local knowledge? Yeah, one way is of you know of fixing the markets around it and actually creating credits around it. And I know that this also exists for plastics now with this idea of creating those kind of you know uh, plastics credits in a way for the communities to sell on the services that they provide to create this circular economy in plastics. So if we make it e- more kind of economical by making it uh, worthwhile for these communities to actually uh, you know recycle, reuse. That those kind of materials, then it then we create this market, we create opportunity for the community to to uh, to create jobs out of it, but also we reduce pollution and we make everyone kind of involved in it. So okay, let's bring in plastic for a minute and your perspective on it. I think you've said plastic wouldn't be so prolific if it weren't a solution. Let's talk a little about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, I've been talked about this before in terms of, for example, uh, food waste. We have, uh, you know, a problem with labeling food, and often we have these products. I mean, you go to the supermarket, we have these use by dates, and the assumption that, you know, well, you know, it's past its uh, use by date, so I can't use it. The other problem is that we, you know, we just we just don't appreciate the fact that we have solutions such as, you know, uh, plastic materials that can actually help, uh, you know, store those that food. And there's a reason why we have why plastic is omnipresent. And if you look at it from an economic point of view, uh, it is actually creating a lot of economic benefits. And when people just say, you know, we, we need to we need to remove plastic, the, the plastic is the evil. Uh, well, it, it's only uh, it's only the problem because we haven't really uh, fixed the system. I mean, those plastic bags that we see in the ocean, those plastic bottles, they end up there because we haven't properly incentivized uh, recycling, reuse. We haven't properly looked at design, for example, we haven't looked at the whole value chain of plastics and found ways uh, to bring as much plastic back into the system as possible. And that has both policy elements to it, like, you know, the extended producer responsibility, but it also has uh, design solutions in it and uh, recycling technologies. These solutions all need to work together. Let's touch on what you just said. I mean, some of those solutions we'd agree designing and you know the policies and then those recycling technologies which ones of those are if any or all are you kind of touching through your work at the mechanical the chemical and the biological uh, solution uh, we looked at several categories of how you know these technologies can be assessed first of all applicabilities how applicable is this particular technology to the different kind of types of plastics, looking at, you know, the range of plastics that are processed, uh, to what extent, uh, you know, there is mixed waste streams involved and so on. Then we looked at the quality of output. So we looked at things like, um, you know, can it be upcycled? Can it be downcycled? Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna break this down just a little for our listeners. Mechanical, I think for, for most of our listeners means traditional recycling that they, you know, shred it up and then made into something else. You said chemical recycling, which we call advanced recycling. Some people call chemical. I know in Europe, it's referred to way more as chemical. And that's breaking down these plastics to their molecular, back to their molecular building blocks without burning and um, and bringing it back to its original building blocks so that you can make new plastics and new products out of it. 
Now, the third category you talked about, biological, I'm going to admit right now, sorry if I'm in trouble for this, but it is new to me. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? And it sounds like you said it's pretty emerging, which makes sense. But tell me more about what that means. Use living beans to break down plastic. So for example, the one, the one technology we looked at, because it's the most advanced among them, is called enzymatic hydrolysis. So this is really about uh, you know, an enzyme that is found in rubbish dwelling bacteria. Often you'll, they live on kind of a diet of you know, plastic bottles and these kind of things. It's then combined with another enzyme. Uh, to speed up the breakdown of plastic into its building blocks. Mia, if I could jump back in, can you talk a little bit about your role, the role of The Economist, in helping to draw government and industry together to find those solutions, to find those ways where industry and government can work together in a way that we are creating creating markets and, and toward that objective of getting material back into the system? This is absolutely right to, to have a forum where we can all come together um, as, as, as business, as economists, as journalists, as policymakers. And often this has, this has happened through our research done at Economist Impact. And, and one example is, is the plastic study, actually, and also the Food Sustainability Index, where we have gathered the experts around the table that, you know, that come from all these different backgrounds. So uh, a leading policymaker, for example, with businesses in that space, with academics that have written about it, with civil society organizations that are often putting a lot of pressure on both business and, and policymakers to make their progress. And then an entity like the Economist Group that really can bring all these uh, players together and has that credibility to be a neutral uh, intermediary between those different Sources. So that's through those advisory boards, through those research processes, but it's also through those events at a very high level, because you mentioned to you that it's, it's even going one level up to create that trust. And you need to create that trust, um, you know, to first be able to really sit at a table and, and talk openly about solutions. How is the work that you're doing now different than, than we often see or than other, other actors in the, in the space where you are bringing together not just business and government, but you're also bringing other stakeholders in, in as well. That's right. So I mean, what is often lacking is, uh, you know, creating that, you know, creating that trust. Uh, and how do you create trust between business, civil society, government? You do it by actually working together and trying to, you know, solve those bigger systemic problems. I guess the follow-up question that I have is all this experience that you have um, really focused around food systems. You know, how do you see that being translated over into the plastics space in terms of addressing this issue of, of plastic waste in the environment, rewarding that creativity, finding those common goals related to the SDGs? You know, how does your experience, how do you envision your experience translating over to help solve this next great environmental challenge? Yeah, that's a great question, Stuart. And I think actually um, with plastic, the, this has already in a way started and started with some of those uh, you know some of those more micro challenges and you know once we tackle those micro challenges we can then build a more sustainable system so one thing that forum for the future has done is looking at microfibers and really looking at uh, you know how do we actually end up uh, you know having all these kind of you know microfibers ending up in our you know in our water systems and so on. how can we build uh, a system that, you know, makes sure that the manufacturing processes and the, uh, you know, the end use 
is more sustainable. Martin, I really just want to thank you um, for for taking the time with me and myself today. Uh, it's been incredibly, incredibly enlightening and, and helpful, and, and I really, really appreciate how you've been able to take all your experience, uh, you know, from the food systems, from uh, ocean conservation, and really translate that over to this uh, this huge environmental challenge we have with plastic waste in the environment. And it, and it does come back to all those experiences you've had with building trust, with developing, you know, common or collaborative solutions, um, you know, with understanding the, the local perspective, um, bringing in that local knowledge uh, really is, it, it's really been a wonderful um, opportunity to speak with you today. Thanks so much, Stuart, and me as well for the opportunity. I think it's exactly these kind of opportunities that highlight that we all, you know, we all need to work together. Um, and it's it there is this uh, shift that we need from awareness because we're all aware of of you know some of those problems: pollution, biodiversity loss, climate change. But it's actually moving to action, and the way we do it is actually through that collaborative approach that you that you just mentioned. Martin, Stu, thank you so much for being with me. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about on the show and leave us a rating and a review. I look forward to sustainably speaking with you soon.